Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn to Page 36, The Ship of Guils. How are you doing, Raps? I'm doing excellently well, and yourself, Rita? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. I am struggling with what to do with my hands as, um, as you potentially are as well, due to the fact that we are, we're doing our first actual book. Listeners, that's a book right there. That's the sound of pages. That's the sound of a tree that used to exist in oh, 1930 no. to 1970. Doesn't anymore. <laughs> now it's a Goosebumps book. <laughs> and it will forever be a Goosebumps book. Uh, but this one, I don't know, the, the cover on this one, I feel like it is just, it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a, well, wait, hold on. No, it's nothing like what it says on the tin. Where's the ghouls? <laughs> Yeah, where's the ghouls, right? You you mentioned this recently of like, hey, have you have you got the the book for the upcoming week? And I said, uh, oh, Ship of Ghouls, the one with the shark on the cover. And it was only yeah. when I said that I realized that it wasn't Shark of Ghouls or Ship of Sharks or something of that yeah. ilk. Yeah. Ghoul ghoul shark? Yeah. Huh. It is it is a shark that has like I guess, you know, blood faintly around it in the water and what looks like now, the titanic behind it so, Rito, yeah did you ever play the the seminal ps2 game a dog's life uh i have partaken in a viewing of a dog's life i do believe they covered it on agdq at some point as well uh, the super tldr is you play a dog and you do dog things but one yes. of the main mechanics of that game is collecting smells mm. as a dog is wont to do you yes. find different collectibles for your olfactory so effectively uh you just wander through the entire map looking for different colored wisps of gas that yeah. very much feels like the level on which this shark is operating at this point yeah, it, it's collect it's collecting blood gas, which, I mean, yeah, I guess it's this is perhaps the most blood that's been featured on the cover of a Goosebumps book, actually, which is kind of funny. If you, oh, this this is legitimately the bloodiest cover so far. It, which is it's an interesting thing because it's just they probably could get away with it and have it not be so bad because it's just kind of blood in the water, like ah, oh, yeah, I don't know, that's just shark mm -hmm. smoke. Don't worry about that. <laughs> that's just that's that's just, that's just his rank breath. Yeah, pretty much. But hey, I got nothing else to say about that one. You want to just pop on into the beware page? Let's do it. Beware. Do not read this book from beginning to end. Good news. You're about to go on a two-week cruise around the world's on the world's most luxurious ship, the SS Fanatic. Even better news. Your parents are staying on shore. You know you and your best friend are sure to have an awesome parent-free vacation. That is, until the ship sets sail, and you overhear another passenger talking about... A bomb on board? What? Is this guy a harmless prankster? Or a real-life terrorist? Will you and your best friend be able to figure it out before your vacation ends with a big bang? Absolutely what? What? <laughs> this just has nothing to do with ghouls or sharks, but... <laughs> Terrorism? <laughs> this is too terrestrial of a horror. This yeah. is too, like, theoretically possible. I, ne I need to meet the person and they're like, Oh, I 
actually, I'm a goblin from the Mixelplik dimension. Like, I need them to get back to fantastical. I can't yeah. be scared of a Goosebumps reader. I'm too old. I, I, it's true. I'm almost 30. And they, they went from... Because, yeah, it was the elevator of horror, and the cover was just, like, a very real potential thing that could happen of, like, oh, you, you know, your head gets caught in an elevator, yes. whatever. And then this one is just straight up, like, the book is t terrorism. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, but less. And, and also, the cover itself is a shark. Yes. It feels like it's very, very terrestrial fears, and it's just shooting in a bunch of different directions, right? Like, are you afraid of sharks? Are you afraid of, you know... The, the poor security in public spaces? Yes, no, and yes, Goosebumps, yes! <laughs> notably, not mentioned anywhere, ghouls. It <laughs> <laughs> just... So... I... Hey. Uh, I'm gonna keep an eye out for the ghoul part. Uh, there has to be ghouls. Let's find the ghouls on page one. Let's do it. Awesome! Totally cool! Indeed, quite impressive. You and your best friend Glenn and your father stand staring at the biggest ocean liner ever built, the SS Finn Attic. Your mom is finishing a call on her cell phone. Ooh, we've evolved. When she's mm -hmm. done, you'll all board the huge cruise ship to Japan. You can't wait. This vessel displaces 100,000 tons, your dad declares. It sails at an average speed of 25 knots. Now isn't that extraordinary, kids? Whatever you think. It's not like he expects an answer. He's always coming up with educational facts and figures. Your parents are okay, but two weeks alone with them on a boat? That would be torture. You're glad Glenn's parents let him take this trip with you. Glenn sometimes acts like a wimp, but he's more fun than parents. You're eager to board. You've seen the brochures. There are video arcades, pools, gyms, a movie theater, awesome food. Beep, beep, beep. Your mom's cell phone interrupts your daydreaming. She answers and then frowns. Oh, no. She groans. Not a good sign. Go to page two. Your mother clicks her phone off. <laughs> she slips it into her purse. He has a work emergency, sweetie. She explains. Your mom and dad run a business together. It looks like we're gonna have to cancel the trip. What? You cry. You can't do that. We're about to board. You're about to start whining and moaning, but it's not like you're four years old. You're 12. Try logic, you think. Glenn and I can still make the trip. You argue. We'll be okay. I mean, we'll be on a boat. A contained environment. What can go wrong? Your parents give you a look. Then they talk quietly with each other. And finally, they chat about the ship's steward. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep an eye on him. The steward promises. Uh, on the biggest ship ever built? <laughs> yep. I, I'm just going to follow your kids around the entire time. Do not worry. I mean, okay. The steward promises, which makes you want to laugh. Because the steward has weird, bulging eyes that never seem to blink. But you control yourself. Your mom phones Glenn's folks. They agree to let him go. Yes! You and Glenn slap high fives. In two weeks, your parents will fly to Japan and meet you when the ship docks. Until then, you and Glenn are totally parent-free. 
Let the fun begin. It starts on page nine. I have to say, I very much love, you're not four years old, you're, you're 12. 12. <laughs> yes. I've the distinction feels the so large at the time, but from my perspective, that's one year difference, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I can't count. Yeah. That's what? One, two grades? Two grades? I mean, how many Marvel movies? How many times did you get held time? back? That's what? One, two grade levels? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A crew member leads you and Glenn to your cabin on B deck. It's tiny, but totally cool. You peer out around window, the porthole. You're high above the waterline. There's a map of the ship on the desk, the sailor tells you. Thanks. You glance at him. Strange, you think as you watch him leave. How can he stay so pale while working on a cruise ship? He almost looks slimy. You find a souvenir magnet in the shape of the fanatic. You slip it into your pocket right next to a paperclip, some gum, and some other junk. Writing that down. Writing that down. Inventory. You glance at your watch. The ship is about to leave, and you're excited. But you're also a little bit nervous being on your own. Not that you would ever admit that to Glenn. Let's check out the ship, you declare. Dale! Glenn grins. He glabs... <laughs> Glenn, Glenn grins and glabs the map. Oh my god, what an unexpected tongue twister. Then you head out to explore. Okay, where should we first go? Glenn unfolds the map and studies it. Oh, the video game arcade? How about the pool? It all sounds fun. Let's just wander around. You suggest. Up ahead, several crew members huddle together. They stop talking as you and Glenn pass. That's weird, you think. What's the big secret? Stroll on over to page 48. I mean, should we go to here or should we go to there? Doesn't matter. You don't get to choose. Next page. <laughs> mm -hmm. You and Glenn turn a corner. Then you climb up a flight of stairs. Then you turn another corner and come face to face with a huge silver door. You reach for the door handle. Stop right there! A voice booms behind you. You and Glenn slowly turn around. A sailor in a fanatic uniform strides towards you. He plasters a big smile on his face. Uh, sorry, kids. Equipment room is off limits. On your way back to the main corridor, Glenn studies the map. Weird. Glenn mutters. That door isn't on the map. Really? You peer at the map, and he's right. We should maybe double-check where we are. You suggest. We might be reading this map wrong. Oh, let's go ask that sailor! You head back around the corner the sailor is gone. But you notice a passenger carrying a black bag. He's a plump, older guy with a round face and a bad haircut. Oh my god. Give him a break. He glances around, then bolts through the silver door. What's his story? Uh, Glenn? Let's follow that guy. You suggest? No, I'm hungry. He replies. Let's grab some food first. Grab some food on page 24, or follow the passenger on page 54. Hmm. Now, I, I feel like, you know, in the, in the grand spirit of, of Goosebumps, they've introduced a character by insulting their features. Yes. Uh, however, at the same time, given the setup we have, it's possible that this person's, uh, you know, black bag is the bomb. The bomb? <laughs> yeah. 
In so, which case, th this guy's got a bum knee and a bad singing voice as well. How dare he? <laughs> yeah. I uh, could go either which way, but honestly, I slightly want to go towards the food just so that we don't have to engage in the terrorism plot. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think that I sort of want to... <laughs> if we don't think about the bomb, it won't be there. And that's actually yeah, true. I mean... Yeah, exactly. That, that's the object permanence of Goosebumps. If you do not take the path upon which it exists, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. So let's go. Let's go eat on page twenty-four. Let's do it. You let Glenn talk you into eating first. Wow, the snack bar is like a dream come true. It's filled with dessert stations, sandwich bars, or sandwich bars, pasta salads, and fruit baskets. I also got caught up on that because I was thinking of a candy bar that's sandwich. Yeah, I was like, what's a sandwich bar? Is that... Uh, this is a Mars. It's filled sandwich. with nougat. It's got some cookie layer in there. Yeah. Also some provolone. It's, it's got a little bit of prosciutto. Got a got yeah. a couple slices of copricol. Uh, <clears throat> when I, I can't wait to see the spread for dinner. Sorry. No, no, no. I just... I will say when I take a Kit Kat bar and I snap it, and then I wrap it around on itself, I'm kind of making a Kit Kat sandwich. Legitimately. Yeah, sorry. It's all good. I can't wait to see the spread for dinner. I hope they have Kit Kat sandwiches. You exclaim. Best of all, the food is free, and you get seconds, thirds even. The only bummer is that the people serving the food are not very friendly. They act as if they resent you for being there, some of the servers snicker at the passengers when they think no one's looking, as if they know a funny secret. Whatever. You're not going to let them spoil your fun. You scarf down a burger and stuff a ham sandwich in your pocket. Okay. And now it's time to follow that suspicious-looking dude. On to page 54. <laughs> Wait. You scarf down a burger and stuff it's a ham sandwich in your pocket. Page. Now you're ready to follow a suspicious dude. It's the same page, but we have a sandwich in our pocket. <gasps> that matters, I bet. Okay. Hell yeah! Or is it bad? Is it going to be, oh, the shark is chasing you, and you if you have a sandwich in your pocket... Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, I've never seen them punish us for having extra inventory. Yeah, we'll see. You and Glenn go after the sneaky-looking passenger. You glance around, and it's all clear. No sailors to stop you. You dash through the huge silver door and you find yourselves in an empty stairwell. You head down and discover a corridor of storage closets. It's a fun sentence. Well, you do? Well, it looks like that sailor was right. You comment. Nothing very interesting down here. Where'd Glenn. that guy go? <laughs> Glenn wonders. I'm, I'm a mess. <laughs> Glenn wonders. You spot a light under one door. Shh. Oh, did that get Discord gated? Yes. Shush! You hold a finger. I can't believe that's back. You hold a finger to your lips. You tiptoe to the door and swing it open. Inside, the passenger kneels over his black bag. The man jumps up in surprise, then a different expression crosses his face. His eyes burn into you. Get out! He screams. You're in terrible danger! Get off of the ship in any way you can! Turn to page 14. Well, okay, so if he's a helpful man, why has he been absolutely roasted by the book? <laughs> <Then> exactly. <laughs> just, 
He's just living. Uh-oh. What did you get yourself into? This is man is nuts. What if he attacks you? You and Glenn take a few steps backwards. Whoa, I'm sorry we bothered you, Mr. Bosco. The man mutters. My name is Tom Bosco, and one day the world will thank me. He rummages in his bag. You can tell that Glenn is as weirded out as you are. Easy, Mr. Bosco. You try and sound soothing. Calm. You point to the bag. What's in there? It's a bomb! <laughs> Bosco declares, I'm gonna blow up the ship! You stare at him stunned, reasonably. Without warning, he pushes past you and out through the stairwell. You hear him clattering down the steps. Glenn... <laughs> oh, boy. Glenn bursts Ooh, out laughing. <laughs> oh, what a wiener! Oh, my. But what if Bosco is telling the truth, you wonder? Maybe we should tell the crew about him. You suggest? Nah. Glenn, Glenn declares. We'd freak people out for nothing, even if they believe us. Boy. This book is dated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 1980s, 1990s. This the... Yeah. It was a different time. If you tell the ship's security about Bosco, go to page six. If you ignore the nut, go to page 75. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, okay. So from the metal level, <laughs> yeah. I get, I get some creepy feelings from this ship. There's a slime man who's a passenger here. There's, uh, you know, the, the, the furtive glances of the other, you know, staff in general who snicker and, and giggle at our backs. I I know they don't deserve to, you know, become exploded as a result of that, but what if the ship, what if they're all ghouls? What if this is the ship this of ghouls and this guy is trying to save the world? Hmm. I, are you suggesting that, that we I'm suggesting terrorism? we make another bomb as a backup. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't I'm know. I'm suggesting that if we told the ship's security about Bosco, it's possible they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, I'm going to go kill that guy and you. Yeah. I, I think that that's reasonable. I think that's understandable. I think that's probably apt. I am wondering if ignoring it gets us there. That's really my only, mm. that's my only question is like, do we get to that line via ignoring him? And I, I don't know. I'm willing to give it a shot to test the waters yeah, on 75. 75, test the waters. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me flip on over there with my physical book. Gloat, gloat. I'm sure that guy's harmless. You declare. You decide not to bother the crew. You'd freak everyone out over nothing. You and Glenn head up to the deck. You make your way out the front of the ship, and you stare out the enormous expanse of the ocean. Cool! You lean over the railing and watch the waves break against the side of the ship as it races through the water. The brisk breeze ruffles through your hair, and it makes your skin tingle. I'm on top of the world! <laughs> 
That absolutely broke the Discord gate once again, but in a different way. This cruise is the best, you exclaim. A second later, a tremendous explosion rocks the ship. It shakes so hard that you almost fall over the side. Smoke pours across the deck. Flames shoot high into the air. You and Glenn stare at each other in horror. That guy was crazy, but he was telling the truth. He did have a bomb. Sink down to page 45. Oh my. Did I lose you? Hey, look, hey, at no, least okay. at least it was confirmed quite quickly. Yeah, at least if if terrorism is like a C plot in this book and it just is what gets us into the water, mm. I'm going to be a little upset. <laughs> Like, that is just... And then the real horror is shocks. Yeah, I'm going to be a little upset that they're just like, and that's how we get you into the water. <laughs> but we'll see. A hunk of metal whizzes by your head. Smoke pours across the deck. Your heart pounds in terror. Is the boat going to sink? With a tremendous grinding noise, the ship splits in half. Is it going to sink, though? You and Glenn are thrown into the deck. People dart in all directions, screaming in panic. Glenn's face pales, his eyes wide with horror. Don't freak out! You order him. You try and stay calm, and then you check out the crew. Their faces are twisted in fear. That's it. You lose it. It's all our fault! You wail. We should have warned someone about that bomb! We can't worry about that now! Glenn cries. What do we do? A man runs past you. Quick, children, where are all the lifeboats? He yells. The lifeboats, yes, you might live after all. We've got to get to those lifeboats, you tell Glenn. But before you can move, the ship's bow lurches into the water. You and Glenn slide backwards along the deck. You grab the handrails, and Glenn hangs onto you. The water rushes at you. With a burbling sound, the ship slides into the ocean, taking everyone with it, including you and Glenn. Go to page 70. Wow. I... Th this is more calamitous than most, like, end pages are. And it's like, yeah, keep going. Yeah, it's like, you slide, everyone's in the ocean, you are sliding in, boat split in half, next page. Go make it, now, now go make a decision, sweetie. <laughs> <clears throat> the cold water is a shock to your system. Your muscles tense up. As the ship sinks, it creates a powerful suction. You feel it dragging you down. Fight for your life, you order yourself. You kick away from the handrail with all your strength, and you shoot to the surface. You breathe in great gulps of air, treading water you gaze around. The gigantic ship is completely gone. The sea is filled with debris. You can't believe it all happened so fast. You swivel around and spot something to your left. A lifeboat. But it's so far away. Maybe there's another one closer. You twist around to the right. You spot someone bobbing in the water even further in the distance. It's Glenn. He seems to be holding on to something. It's keeping him above the water. Maybe he can keep the you above the water, too. If you swim to Glenn, go to page 78. If you swim to the lifeboat, page 82. I mean, we... I can't imagine there is a world in which Goosebumps, like, punishes us for trying to save a friend. Oh, I can. 
but let's do it. <laughs> I can imagine that. I'm pretty sure when we tried to save Todd, that happened. Glenn's keeping himself afloat on a door, and yes. that can only hold one person. Yeah, exactly. Why I've never even... seen. I've never seen Titanic. I'm just gonna try and make references to the references I've heard to it. Ah, effectively, you've basically seen it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it via cultural osmosis, right? I mean, it's, hey, it's suffused through my skin. The ship went in the ocean. They said, "I'm top. I'm on top of the world, and there's a door that holds one person, also naked body paint." That yeah. happens. That's the whole movie. That's the, that's that's basically there's there's a love story in there, but you know, ship. All right. I think there's also something about the Cord de la Mer, the so, heart of the ocean. Something like that too. I've seen it and I don't remember. So hey, you're <laughs> you're ahead of me. Uh you swim towards Glenn. You would rather be with your friends than with a bunch of strangers. <laughs> that that's what you're thinking now but the cold water makes it tough going your arms tire quickly the chest muscles burn but you swim on because you have to you're swimming for your life waves smacking against you sending water up your nose glenn still seems so far away you don't know if you can make it you remember swimming far out in the ocean at the beach back then you panicked when you saw how far away the shore was and there's no shore here anywhere in any direction you put your head down and plow through the water. Just keep going, you think. Stroke, stroke. You glance up. Glenn is only a few hundred yards away. When you're within shouting distance... Glenn! You scream. Hey, buddy! I'm coming for you! Go to page 59. You're saved! It's me! You cry. We can hang on together until help comes. Keep away! Glenn shouts. What? You're stunned. What's wrong, you wonder? You swim up to him. He's clutching a small piece of wood. This door isn't big enough for the both of us. He snarls. Treading water, you stare at him, your eyes widening in disbelief. Find your own door! He yells, kicking at you. You'd let me drown? You gasp. If I let you hold on, we'll both drown. Glenn replies. This way, one of us will survive. Me. Some friend you are. You snap. Consider our friendship over. <laughs> well, <laughs> not wrong. You wave your hand at him in disgust. You kick your legs hard to turn around to the lifeboat. The trouble is, it's about half a mile away. You start swimming and swimming and swimming, but you've got this sinking feeling that you won't be able to make it that's because you're sinking the end <laughs> in case you didn't get it that's because you're sinking <laughs> the end it really hammers that one home so about that the book wouldn't punish us yep about that indeed our friend just straight up killed us and also for what it's worth our final words were consider our friendship mm -hmm. over and then we died yeah, I mean, accurate. Um, I almost don't want to go to 82 because I feel like we're going to save Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I, but you know what? Hopefully this is the opportunity to, uh, you know, offer Glenn a hand and then pull it back. Like, ooh, too slow, Glenn. I'm sorry. I went on the other path and I know you're duplicitous. Yeah. 
We we see a shark's fin in the water, and we pull out our uh, ham sandwich for our, from our inventory and throw it at Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You swim towards the lifeboat. It's closer than Glenn. Traitor. Once aboard, you'll get them to... You'll get them to pick him up, too. It's hard to swim with your clothes weighing you down, and the water's so cold. Halfway there, you almost give up. Don't wimp out, you tell yourself. Finally, you reach the lifeboat. Several pairs of hands stretch towards you and haul you up. You collapse onto a seat, your teeth chattering. You're exhausted and freezing, but you're alive. You glance back towards Glenn. Good. Another lifeboat has picked him up. They disappear into the fog. You gaze at your shipmates. There are four teenagers on the 15-foot-long lo boat. They introduce themselves. Bob is kind of heavy. You don't like the way he sneers at you. Judy wears a baseball hat with her school's name on it. She looks like an honor-roll geek, the ultra-serious type. Steve is a regular guy and the friendliest. Hal is quiet and seems frightened. All four were on the Fanatic as part of a school trip, but they aren't really friends. You gaze out at the ocean. You don't see any life any lifeboats anymore. You're all alone now. Just you and the people that you're not alone with. Go to page 96. Everyone on the boat stares glumly out to the sea. No one speaks. I have to break this downer mood, you think. Or I'm going to go nuts. Uh, do you guys think the cruise is going to give us a refund? You joke. Bob glares at you. Hey, this isn't funny. We got to figure out how to survive until we're rescued. Hey, who made you captain? You shoot back. Bob lunges across the lifeboat at you. Steve and Hal hold him back. The boat shakes so much that it almost tips over. Stop it! Judy orders. We've got to stick together, otherwise we're doomed! This calms everyone down. You glare at Bob and sit back. What a jerk, you mutter. Hal searches the boat. There's a small supply of biscuits and water in a metal container. He also finds two paddles and a flare gun with a single flare. Uh, what do you think caused the explosion? Steve asks. It must have been the boiler, Hal suggests. You don't want to tell them the truth. If they discover that you could have stopped the explosion, they might throw you overboard. You gaze out at the horizon, feeling very stupid. <laughs> I love, I love They're that never going to stop dunking on us for that. I love that sentence so much. You gaze out at the horizon, feeling very stupid. The lifeboat bobs up and down, up and down, up and... You're starting to feel very sick. Bob, on over to page 13. <sighs> you groan. You're seasick. You feel like puking. And you do. Right on over the side of the lifeboat. Everyone's totally grossed out. So stupid and gross you are, you stupid gross idiot. So you sit alone, feeling <laughs> sorry for yourself. You wish you never went on that stupid cruise. You huddle against the side of the boat with your eyes shut, groaning softly. Toward evening, you start to feel a little bit better. When the sun drops below the horizon, you fall into a deep sleep. Turn to page 25. Like, not for nothing, but if I was on a boat 
mm-hmm. and it blew up. Yes. And after that, I saw someone throw up. I'd yes. be like, you know what? That's not the worst thing I've seen today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, many innocents blown up, perhaps mm-hmm. slightly worse. I feel like I would, I, I'd, I'd be able to conjure a little less, you know, judgmentalism Little, little bit less judgmental of an attitude towards people were they, you know, in shock after yeah. a huge explosion. I don't know. Maybe the ghouls were the friends we made along the way. And these guys mm. are actually... I mean, how else could you be so heartless? Anyway, 25 is what we were on, right? Yep. You wake up before dawn and you're incredibly thirsty. You crawl over to the water to a the water container. You lift it to your lips. What are you doing? Bob yells. Everyone is jolted awake. We don't know when we're going to be rescued. He screams. Each person can only drink half a cup of water a day. From now on, don't touch the water without my permission. Or else. Chill. Steve tells Bob. You're not. You're getting on everyone's last nerve. You fume at the other end of the boat, far away from Bob. The sun beats down every day. Everyone worries about being rescued before the food and water run out. After ten days, what a jump. On the lifeboat, you haven't spotted a ship or a plane. There's only enough water for a few more days. That night, you have trouble sleeping. You open your eyes and discover a thick fog surrounding the lifeboat. It's hard to see. Your senses go on alert. You hear a scraping noise. You spot a white shape moving silently at the other end of the boat. It's a swirly, ghostly figure. Who's there? You whisper. Instead of an answer, you hear a blood-curdling cry and then a loud splash. Find out what's going on on page 108. You jump up and you stumble into Bob. Watch it. He snaps. As the fog lifts, you see Judy and Steve standing nearby. You glance around. Where's where's Hal? You stammer. You all peer into the dark water. I don't see him anywhere! Judy cries. She sounds panicky. How can he have fallen out? You demand. This is going to sound nuts. Steve says. But I... I think I saw a man on the boat, wearing a hat with the words SS Fanatic on it. Steve slumps down into the bottom of the boat. He seems totally weirded out. So who was he? Bob asks sarcastically. The ghost of a crewman who drowned on the Fanatic and he threw Hal overboard, I'm guessing? I... I, I don't know. I, it just crossed my mind that I've never... You never see immediate ghosts in media <laughs> you know you see zombies yeah. come back but is this implying this is the ghost like is the implication that there's maybe going to be a ghost of somebody who just died on the boat that we i don't know why that's such a that's just never crossed my mind that ghosts I are wanna... it seems like it's a requirement that they need to marinate <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they need a little bit of time to you know, reject the light, 
and stay bound to Earth. But I do like this idea, and I want to see the version of John Wick where, like, every time he shoots someone directly in the head, their body falls backwards, but a translucent <laughs> version of them is standing up like, oh, wow, he must have missed... Oh, I'm a ghost now, damn. And then, then they shoot a ghost gun at him. Just every time. <laughs> Just nonstop. It's like, ah, oh, man. Um, what did I mean? Okay. Let's see. Ghost of someone who drowned on the fanatic and then threw Hal overboard. I don't know, Steve replies quickly. Yeah, sorry. You don't believe in ghosts, but you did hear that scraping sound and saw something. No, it's too crazy. You decide not to say anything. A lot of that running around, isn't there? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the next few nights, no one spots any ghosts, but you run out of water. You hang your head over the side of the raft and stare at the cool ocean water. It looks so delicious. So, so wet. <laughs> it's water. It looks, it's the wettest water I ever did see. the wettest water I've ever seen, man. You reach overboard and cup some seawater in your palm. If you decide to drink it, go to page 85. If you decide not to drink it, go to page 95. My guess is they are genuinely going to use this as a teach you seawater is bad to drink yep. moment. I I don't know about you, Rito, uh, because I I live on an island continent. Oh so, yeah, which one? Uh, <laughs> uh, Antarctica. <laughs> um, and because of this, a lot of our schooling programs also include like, well, here's how to swim. Mm -hmm. And I think as a result, somehow in primary school, I learned very specifically in a health class. Now, if you are stranded on a boat and you need water, don't drink the seawater because it will be it, it will dehydrate you faster because of the saline content and you'll die. Um, yeah. It only just occurred to me that that is a wild thing to tell a seven-year-old. Like, yeah. oh, when you go on a ship and go on a lifeboat yeah. and you're stranded and yeah. no one else is there who can possibly tell you this, yep. make sure you remember this because it will save your life. Did they do that to you as well? I, I live in Minnesota, which is perhaps one of the furthest places from salt water. Uh, yes. Like... And I was taught it too. Yep. Like <laughs> so, I it's important information. It's up there. It's this is what to do if you get caught in quicksand, and this is how you survive yes. if you're stranded in a boat. Don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cartoon goddamn scenarios. I'm being told how do to I do, do like, taxes. If Wiley Coyote drops a giant acme bomb on your head, you meet Meep and run away. Like, they're, they're telling me how to deal with scenarios I'll never encounter in my entire life. I know. How do I get a job? How do I do taxes? <laughs> what? Just, I'm not getting caught in quicksand. Oh, oh well. Okay. They should have used quicksand as a metaphor yes. to talk about your debt and taxation. Hey, maybe it is. Maybe that was it, and mm -hmm. I just missed it. And you don't struggle against it all in one large gulf, of course. Yeah. You slowly and gently move yourself you out of it over yeah. time with consistent deposits to your debting accounts. Uh-huh. And being stranded at sea is you being cast out into the world, trying to find a job, pay for... Pay for a house, 
you're lost. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> eighty-five. <laughs> Uh, oh, you... Do, you, do you want to go to 85 where we decide to drink the seawater? Oh, shoot. I picked the wrong one. Wait, I got to say it's pretty 95 good. is not drinking. Oh, oh okay. sure. Let's go to 85. No, let's do it. Let, let, let me say it's a short diversion. <laughs> I meant to pick the other one. Uh, 85. This is drinking seawater. Are you nuts? Drink seawater? <laughs> Get real. You might as well swallow a bottle of poison, idiot. You're obviously a landlubber. Any sailor worth his salt will tell you that seawater, sea salt water will dehydrate you terminally. Spill that water, go back to page 108, and pick a not stupid choice. Sheesh. <laughs> go to page 108. I love it. <laughs> Just like, this is how books try and teach kids in a way. Like, why is it that it's like, hey, this is an educational thing where... We're going to try to teach kids in a fun way. Calling them freaking idiots. Mm -hmm. Freaking idiot. Yep. Just, and kids are like, I'm learning. I like it. But it's, but it's not hey, wrong. Hey, look, for the sake of goosebumps, I will say that, you know, the things, the times I was told you idiot, then information. I did remember it, but I didn't really remember the information as yeah. much as the, the being called an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> You absolute buffoon. You melon head. You. All right. 95. Okay. So they told me an idiot with something related to seawater. Okay. <laughs> so I don't think I should drink this, but I'm an idiot. So. Gulp, 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 gulp. Dead. There we are. You let the water dribble out of your hand. You're no fool. Drinking seawater will bring you to a painful death. But you are thirsty. Without fresh water, you're doomed. You stare gloomily at the dark clouds hovering in the distant sky. Dark clouds. Those are rain clouds. You point at them. We have to paddle towards those clouds! You holler. Bob sneers. <laughs> That's stupid. We can't waste energy rowing towards some clouds. But Judy backs you up. So you and she... You and she grab... You and she grab the oars and paddle toward the clouds. As you get closer, you feel a few drops. Then it starts pouring. Water! Why is this wonderfully wet water? Mm -hmm. I hate all that dry water that people I keep trying to pass off. I... What? Powdered water. <laughs> oh my god. You open the water container so the wet rain fills it. Pretty soon, the water container is brimming with wet water. And then lo the lifeboat is brimming. Uh-oh. It's flooded with wet rainwater. Go to page 87. Oh, my God. If this is... Okay. All four I hate of that you... this vindicates Bob. I know. I hate it. Send Bob into ocean. All, <laughs> all four of you bail water frantically. The rain comes down in sheets. Water reaches your ankles, but you keep scooping out the water. Your arms ache, but you know if you stop, the lifeboat will sink. Hours later, the rain slows down. I've never seen so much rain, you tell Steve. That must have been a monsoon. His lips move in response. Okay. Four... Wait, are we at four now? Four, four, five, how many teens... Four teams bailed out mm. water equivalent to a monsoon production. Great. Great. Uh, mm -hmm. 
His lips move in response, but the wind whips away his words. The wind? Uh-oh. The wind blows stronger. It starts howling. The waves get higher. The rainstorm wasn't a monsoon. This? I see. This is a monsoon. The storm rages around you. You all huddle in the bottom of the boat. Please don't capsize. Please don't capsize. You murmur. Then you notice the food and water locker. No one closed it. The water container could fall out. All the drinking water, the nice, wonderfully wet drinking water you collected, would spill away. You're closest to the locker, but if you get up, you might get tossed overboard. What should you do? Get up and close the lid. Page 49. Stay seated. 92. I, I will say regardless of what happens with this, mm. I do feel this is where our sandwich is going to come into play. Mm. Um, ah, yes. We, we have a sandwich even if we don't have the food and water locker, you mean? Yeah, there, like I feel like there's a chance that it's like something dangerous happens if we go to close the lid, but if we stay seated, we have backup Rito, sandwich. it's been 10 days. That ham sandwich isn't edible anymore. <laughs> oh, come I'm going to be so mad if it doesn't come into play. <laughs> I forgot it's been 10 days because it's just like it because that had those 10 days happened in one sentence. <laughs> yep. <laughs> A very abrupt 10 days. I can't imagine it felt anything like that. I I honestly could go with either of these. I have no strong feelings either way other than, like, I don't know. Literally none. I, I was trying to think of something to say. I don't, like, it's specifically that there is a food and water locker that we were trying to do this for, and I think it saves a bit of face to make sure we still get the water. But I don't necessarily think it's narratively important. Yeah. I don't know. How are you feeling? I, I, I just, I want the book to, <laughs> I just, now I really want the ham sandwich to come into play because... I just, I want it to, I want it to work and for it to be in our pocket for 10 days. You know, like I now so desperately want both things to be true. I want it to be the answer and totally like, but canonically know that it was expired as hell. <laughs> but mm -hmm. so I kind of, I kind of want to go to 92, but I'm, maybe I'm a little freak. Let's do it. Let's go to 92. Okay. Stay seated. Who needs that food and drink? We'll see. Uh, probably us. The boat is rocking too much to move. You're afraid you'll tip into the water, so you stay put. The storm lasts all night. By morning, the sky clears up. Luckily, the water and food didn't even fall out of the locker. But unluckily, the storm drove you a hundred miles from where the fanatics sunk. Even if a rescue party was looking for you, they wouldn't know your location now. And to make matters worse, the rain soaked the biscuits. Most of them are dissolved. All right, all right. We can only eat half a biscuit each, each day. Bob announces. What is that, your lost at sea diet? You joke. You'll make millions on that infomercial. <laughs> Nobody laughs. Night after night, nightmares wake you <laughs> because of your joke not landing. You lie, <laughs> you lie watching the fog drift across the water over the boat. Sometimes you think you see the shape of a man. You also hear some weird noises. Is it a ghost, you wonder? Or is hunger making you hallucinate? 
One morning, you spot some kind of island in the distance. At least you hope it's an island. It could be another hallucination. Only one way to find out. Land! You cry hoarsely. Check it out on page 29. I've just realized that we haven't really, um ever discussed the fact that a man got washed overboard by a ghost? Like, there was a millisecond of discussion about it, but it was mostly about the phenomenon of whether or not there was a ghost, yeah. not whether or not Hal, Hal is, is gone dead. forever to the sea. But, Raps, you don't remember, they weren't friends. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that guy was shy and quiet. That guy was shy and quiet. He is the ghoul. He had one line of voice. I wrote, like... I've got written here his voice is the union voice, but, like, I'm not going to need that ever again. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, with how quick ghosts pop up, <laughs> maybe we're going to yeah, see no a ghost, a hell ghost <laughs> pretty darn quick here. Uh, all right. Everyone buzzes with excitement. You and Judy grab the oars. You paddle hard towards the gray island. But when you get closer, you discover it's not an island after all. It's a whale. But, hey. <laughs> Steve exclaims. Wait. A whale is food. Uh, we could definitely use some. How do we kill it? Judy asks. You have an idea. With a flare gun. No, 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 no. Bob declares. That's dangerous. We should get out of here. If you shouldn't miss, it could become angry and tip us over. To use a flare gun to try and shoot and kill a whale for food. Go to page 93. If you leave, go to page 11. What are you feeling? I... <clears throat> Rito. Yeah? Bob's uh, aversion to this plan is because it's dangerous. Yes. If you shoot and miss it, it becomes angry and tips us over. My aversion to this plan is that... It's a flare gun, and if you shoot directly, it will become angry and tip us over. There is no way the flare gun is taking out the whale. The only way I can imagine a flare gun taking out a whale is if, like, <sighs> effectively you do, like, the, the, the uh, death run trench run. The Death Star trench run, right? There is like a small port and that's the, I guess, blowhole on the top of the whale. And you need to fire the flare directly down that yep. and then the whale explodes. Well, how do that's you know that's the not only happen? way I can imagine that. Sorry? How do you know that's not what's going to happen? Like, I mean... uh, good point well made. So use the flare on page 93. Well, I don't know. It's... it's Wait, it's page 93 or, or what? Which one was the other one? 11 for Paddle Away. Uh... I'm good on either. Judy's immediately on board. Like, how do we kill it? <laughs> Judy! 93 is trying to kill it? 93 is trying to use the flare. I... I kind of want to see what? how it backfires. I want to know. I want to know. At this point, yeah. I want to know how it backfires. You need food, and... <laughs> okay. I'm happy we came here. <laughs> you need food, and a whale is the Big Mac of sea creatures. A supersize order of meat and blubber. <laughs> you paddle slowly towards the huge creature. It floats calmly in the water and doesn't seem to notice you. You raise the flare gun and you aim and press the trigger. An orange flare shoots out, sputters through the air, and slams into the side of the whale. 
and then it bounces harmlessly off in the whale's thick hide. The flare sizzles in the water beside the creature. Uh-oh, now the whale seems to have noticed you. Paddle away to page 11. Oh, so it was irrelevant anyways. We're going to page 11 where we were going to go anyways. Okay. Yeah! Why even make the choice that uh, then? But, hey. <laughs> oh! Because now we've wasted our flare. Oh my god, you're right. Oh, that's some Until Dawn stuff. Mm-hmm. How dare they. The whale... Oh. That is actually going to bite us in the butt forever. Probably. That could even, like, hard lock us out of a rescue. <laughs> <laughs> like... Actually, we, we lost on this page, and we're not going to know for a while. Yeah, I'm going to retroactively... You know what, Raps? I want to just go to page 11. Okay. We'll, yeah, we'll let's see! Uh... <laughs> All right. The whale shoots out a... A spume of water. Let's get out of here! You order. You and Judy don't stop paddling until the whale is a dot in the distance. Steve sighs. <sighs> We're still out of food. Maybe not. You notice your pocket smells very bad. <laughs> you notice two seabirds flying near the boat. They're fighting over a fish in one bird's beak. As you watch, the bird drops the fish and it falls into the ocean a few feet from the boat. Before either bird can die for it, you grab an oar. You can use it to scoop the fish out of the water. Food! You cry. You bring the oar carefully back into the boat. We have food! You hold up the fish proudly. Then it hits you. You have to eat it raw. Yuck. You have no choice. You don't take bites. Not bad, you think. Not... No worse than cafeteria mystery meat. <laughs> Bob is about to polish off the fish when Steve stops him. Hold on, Bob. Let's use some of that flesh as bait to catch more fish. Bob shakes his head. No, no, no. We need all the nourishment we can get. I say it to the bone. They look at you. What should we do? Judy asks you. If you decide to finish the fish, go to page 97. If you decide to use some bait... Use it as bait. Go to 57. Oh. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> Rito, I think it's time for me to reveal part of my backstory. Oh. Do it. Rito, I am a fisher person. Rito, I have caught fish. I have caught many fish in my past. Name I five. Have... Okay. I caught a sandy flathead at one point. I caught a pretty big beam. Oh, I caught a fish out of the water at one point as well I, that's basically the end of the list tbh like the the bay that i was fishing in mainly had those three anyhow i i know from my extensive years of fishing of course that what you do is cut off the head mm -hmm. for a fish that you're going to keep unless of course you're going to take it back to land and scale it and things like that right uh and then you throw it in your chum bucket and you use that to chum the waters in order to get more fish to come to the area and catch more fish. So, uh, if we... I almost feel like if we go to 97, it's going to be like, You dum-dum! Haven't you ever learned that you use the rest of the fish as chum so that you can catch more fish in the future? Go back to page 11 and don't make a dumb decision this time. Like, I think we should use some as bait. I think I, longevity is important here. I, I hope. I hope that it's accurate. Like, I hope that that is 
Right. Otherwise, the book is inconsistent and screw the book. TBH. Mm. Uh, so that is page 57. 57. 57. I like turning real pages. It's nice. It is really, really fun. But, I mean, it's not it's that a I nice didn't want tactile this. sensation to yeah. this. It's, not that it I is, want it. It is interesting that uh, in Turn to Page, this is the first time we've been turning, page. turning to page. It's true. I know. Alas, 57. Let's use the fish as bait. You decide. Then we'll have all the fish we want. Steve tears off a long strip of his shirt. You tie the remains of the fish to one end. You grip the other end and drop the fish over the side of the boat. Pretty soon you feel a tug. Then the line is ripped out of your hands. Way to go, Butterfingers. Bob sneers. I didn't drop it! You protest. But before you can say anything else, something bangs into the boat. This is, I will say, I should have yeah. said this earlier. Yeah. I think that this makes sense. Yeah, I forgot the cover. You peer over <laughs> the side and freak out because a ghoul is ramming the boat. <laughs> a great white shark is ramming the lifeboat. It must have been attracted by all that dead fish. Judy gasps. The shark backs away and then swims like a missile at the raft. It hits nose first and almost knocks over the boat. The shark backs up and turns away again. Maybe it's leaving, you hope? Yeah, sure it is. Read what really happens on page 74. The shark circles the boat. Desperate, you grab a paddle and try and whack the shark's face. You swing and you miss. Strike one. The shark thrashes in the water. It's tricky to hit. You aim and you miss again. Strike two. Do something! Bob shouts. Why don't you try something? You fume. He makes you so mad you swing wildly and smack the shark right on its nose with a thwack. The creature turns tail and disappears under the waves. You can't believe it. You fought a, you know, at least in the news, man-eating shark. Home run! You exclaim. Steve pounds you on the back. Even Bob shakes your hand. Everybody whoops and celebrates a bit too soon. Something lifts the raft a foot in the air. What the? You cry. A second later, the craft flips upside down and all four of you tumble into the water and come face to face with the shark, its massive jaws opening. Whoops. Looks like this is actually strike three and you're out. Wait. Oh, and you're out of luck. The end. Yeah, yeah. Legitimately fair. Didn't Le think about the that whole shark situation. It, 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 you are not wrong. It did indeed attract fish. <laughs> It's it's not wrong. <laughs> I presume you did not fish in a bay with sharks. No, yeah, see that was my mistake. See I've and the, you no want to know how I know that? This. I know that mm -hmm. there weren't sharks in that bay. You would have been dead right now, and this book is proof. Yep. So uh ninety-seven. You polish off that fish. Yum. Only now you really wish you had some more. The next day, you stare into the ocean. Your mouth waters as you imagine fresh, tasty seafood. You watch a fish surfacing in the shadow of the raft. You have an idea. You grab Judy's cap, dragging the hat through the water. You scoop up the fish. 
Come and get it! You cheer. You lay out the fish. You're taking too much. Bob accuses Judy. Hey, you already had your share. She retorts. Steve gets angry. Ah, you're both so selfish. He shakes his head. There are just too many of us and too little food. You fish with Judy's hat the rest of the day, but you don't catch anything. Meanwhile, everyone's bickering. You notice that the vibes on the boat are getting worse and worse. That night, a sound wakes you. You think, it's, you think you see a shape moving in the fog. Is that the ghost? Too groggy to move. You hear a groan, followed by a muffled cry, and then a splash. I must be dreaming, you think. You close your heavy lids, and the next morning, you wake up to discover that Judy is missing. Go to page 26. And no one ever mentions it. <laughs> oh, no, wait, never mind. Where's Judy? Steve cries and everyone forgets. It's not as if there's anywhere to hide on the lifeboat and you don't see her in the water either. What happened to her? You clear your throat. <clears throat> I, uh, I saw something last night. You admit? It looked like a ghost. I saw it once before, but I didn't say anything. I, I was afraid you'd laugh at me. Bob rolls his eyes. You were dreaming. No! Steve exclaims. I saw the same thing! And I saw it when it disappeared, too! He folds his arms across his chest. I think this boat is all go ha! I think this boat is haunted by the ghost from the fanatic! And he's getting rid of us one by one. Ah, uh, give me a break! Bob sneers. Trapped on a boat with a killer ghost. You know that's a crazy idea, and then you have a terrible thought. Could the ghost want revenge because you didn't alert the crew about the Mad Bomber? <laughs> you shudder. Then a strange sound interrupts your thoughts. Now what? Turn to page 99. That was the last we heard about Judy. Mm-hmm. You glance up at the sound. Your heart skips a beat. A plane! The plane flies so low you hear its engines. Look! You point up at the sky. A plane! We have to attract its attention! Bob and Steve start yelling. They wave their arms wildly. Bob yanks off his shirt and flaps it like a flag. The plane is almost overhead and you only have a few seconds to catch the pilot's eye. You screech at the top of your lungs but the pilot is a thousand feet away. He can't hear you. Your heart pounds. You know you may not get this chance to be rescued again. How can you make the people in the plane notice you? If you fired the flare gun at the whale, go to page 104. If you saved the sandwich in your... No. Uh, if you didn't fire the flare gun, go to page 30. So, do you want to perhaps, just in case it isn't an immediate end, attempt 104 I the, do. the honest way? And then yes, yeah, I, I really do because I think that like there's a, a vague possibility that something just. I think it's possible that maybe having fired the flare gun turns out to be good because mm -hmm. we don't want the attention of this thing, or yeah, and this would ghoul. be the funny way to do it: we fire the flare gun and we accidentally take down the goddamn plane, <laughs> racking up our kill count. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's go to one hundred four. Let's let's. Well, 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 the consequence of our actions. Um, mm -hmm. 
Too bad you already used the flare gun. You have no way to catch the pilot's eye. As the plane disappears into the distance, you collapse onto a seat. Now you're sure you'll never be rescued. Which means any one of you could be the ghost's next victim. If you don't starve first. The boat drifts aimlessly. At night, you try and stay awake in case the ghost returns. The lack of sleep is getting to you. You, Steve, and Bob hardly talk to each other. Anything you do gets on each other's nerves. So you just stare at the horizon, feeling stupid. <laughs> Hoping to spot a ship. One morning, you happen to glance at Bob. What are you looking at? He challenges. Your ugly face, you reply. I'll show you ugly, he shoots back. Good comeback, jerk, you sneer. Um, I've spotted land, Steve announces. Bob ignores Steve. Oh, and that's a smart answer, he snaps. Hey, wait a sec. You stare at Steve. Did you hear him right? He's laughing hysterically. <laughs> land! He yells again. Go to page 102. You stare hard at the dark bump on the horizon. That's no whale. Your heart pumps hard with excitement and you grin broadly. You and Steve grab the oars and start paddling. As you get closer, you make out not one but two islands. The one on the left is a little bit smaller than the one on the right. You can hardly wait to walk on land. Soon you hear surf pounding on the two islands' beaches. Without warning, the bow of the lifeboat smacks into a large submerged rock. The boat's momentum sends you flying over the side into the ocean. You swim to the surface and gasp for breath. You're totally disoriented. You flail in the water. Help! You cry. You gaze around for the boat, but it's gone. It must have sunk, you realize. There's no, sound, no sign of Bob and Steve. Did they drown? Well, oh well. Won't think about that again. You have to swim to one of the islands now. The island on the left is closer, but you can feel a current pushing you to the island on the right. Which island should you head for? Swim to the left, go to 27. Swim to the right, 111. Um, mm. So, smaller one that's closer, but the current's pushing us away. Or bigger one that's further with the current pushing us. Okay, I mean, so there's a couple different ways to read this in my mind. One of them is that swimming against a current, depending on how strong the current is, is a very good way to waste all of your energy and move nowhere but yeah. backwards. Um, second is if the current is leading towards one of these islands, then other ships or lifeboats or any yeah. other survivors might have also drifted towards it. Theoretically. Um, I like. I really wish I had of, a reason to want the other one. This is a lot of logic that I hope comes into play on page 111. Let's do it. Island on the right in 111. It also could be, like, logically where Steve and Bob got pushed to. But you head to the island on the right, swimming with the strong current. When you reach the beach, you search for Steve and Bob. No footprints in the sand, no bits of clothing, nothing. Spend most of your time searching for fruits and berries to eat. You discover a stream with clean water to drink. Good thing the weather is warm and dry. You can't help wondering if anyone's searching for you, if anyone cares. Some days you're overcome by major feelings of self-pity. Then one day you explore a new section of the island and your heart thumps as you spot a column of rising smoke in the sky. 
This island must be inhabited after all. You head in the direction of the smoke. Before long, you come to a clearing in the jungle. You find huts, but no people. Ow! Something stings your back. Must be a mosquito. You shudder to make it fly off, and it stings again. You turn around. That's no mosquito. That is an entire spear. <laughs> Go to page 120. Ah! You jump about two feet straight up in the air. You've never seen anyone like the guy holding the spear. Rings dangle from his nose and earlobes. Zendergrast Indosanthi, the guy declares. You don't understand, but you get the drift. He wants you to move into a clearing. You don't argue. He leads you to the hut, and inside you discover Steve and Bob. They didn't drown. Your spears rise at the sight of familiar faces. So, they got you too, Steve observes. Bob and Steve were captured a few days ago. They found out that the tribe's chief knows a little English. He learned it from a man who was shipwrecked here years ago. What are they going to do with this? You ask anxiously. As if to answer your question, the chief enters. You take our test tomorrow. How much do you know about the hit book series Goosebumps? <laughs> <laughs> he declares or die he adds with a nasty smile your mouth drops open in shock as you watch him leave Bob is terrified I'm not taking any test I'm dumb yeah you Steve, are Steve agrees we have to escape you don't know what the test is but it's probably a killer on the other hand you manage to if you manage to escape where will you go if you try to escape, go to page 116 to take the test 113. I mean, morbid curiosity. Morbid curiosity on my side as well. I want to see this test. Also, you know, if I had to pitch a logic version of it, I almost feel like, what if, what if the test is to prepare us for surviving on the island? Oh, no, we've been surviving on the island. Never mind. Do you drink seawater? Do you? They just hit, they just hit home all the stuff that, like, it's been a, you know, we're, we've been studying for our test the whole time. Do you fire a flare at a whale? Do you think that would take it out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you tell authorities you... about a bomb? <laughs> uh, it was Are you aware labyrinth. that the whale is the Big Mac of the sea? Yeah. This is this was all just like the most elaborate episode of Nathan for you, is what this was. Um. Uh, for uh, teaching uh, wilderness survival skills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 113? Is that what I... What the yeah, test, let's do it. Test was? Okay. Uh, you all decide it'd be safer to take the test. The next day, the tribesmen drag you out of the hut. They lead you to a large steaming pit. Intense heat rises from it. A rope stretches between the poles on either side of the deadly pit. You must cross the pit, the chief informs you. Some test. In spite of the heat, chills race up your spine. Bob goes first. He climbs up the pole and grabs the rope. He moves slowly, hand over hand. You can see his terrified expression, the sweat streaming down his face. You force yourself to watch. Bob dangles over the middle of the pit. I can't hold on! He cries. <laughs> he drops into the pit. Gulp. Steve is next. He has to be dragged to the pole. He almost makes it. 
and then his hands slip. He falls into the pit as well. And now it's your turn. Take the test on page 117. Yeah, I mean, that won't get us. Yeah. Well, anyways. <laughs> you climb up the pole. Your arms tremble with fear. Not good. You have to get yourself under control. You order yourself or it's all over. You gaze into the broiling pit. Oh, man. You groan. If you fall in, you'll be a human barbecue. <laughs> My God. You know there's no way you can make it across, even if the, ter the terror wasn't making you shake. You're weak from malnutrition and your near-death experiences. You scan the area, searching for a way out. And then it hits you! The ham sandwich! You figure out how to pass the test. The rope is knotted to the pole. You untie it. Down below, the tribesmen look confused by what you're doing. You grip the rope in both hands and you breathe deeply. Here goes nothing, you think. Then you let out the yell of your good friend, Tarzan, and push off from the pole. Swing on over to page 115. I had to give it my best, Tarzan. You swing across the pit. When you get to the other side, you let go of the rope and tumble onto the ground and roll a few feet. You made it! You passed the test! Nobody's ever passed the test before! The tribesmen are totally impressed, so they make you the new chief! You enjoy the life of top banana, and eventually you marry and have kids. Everything seems perfect. But one day, the steaming pit explodes. Flames and lava shoot hundreds of feet in the air because the pit was actually the top of a volcano, you realize. As red-hot lava reaches your hut, you know that your reign as chief is over. And that really burns you up. The end. Honestly, good end, though. Yeah, like, we lived a full relatively full life. life. Like, with a family, th with a loving wife and children, on an island rich with culture. And a exactly. volcano. It it, it feels like, and also, this volcano is going to explode, regardless of whether or not I'm on this island. Like, I'm, I'm not making the volcano explode. Yeah. So, or are like, you? Because you didn't turn it into the authorities. You didn't. Re you didn't um, report this volcano. So. Yeah. <laughs> Dummy, go back and report the volcano for existing. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Well, hey. It it feels like a good end, like for a narrative. But it also feels like they are very much trying to say, this isn't the good end on this path, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Do we want to... Because yeah, it can't be that much longer. Let's go to 116. You don't know what the test is, but it's probably a lot more painful than a math quiz and harder to pass. You all agree to escape. You, Steve, and Bob huddle in the hut. <sighs> there was a guard in front of the door. You whisper. Let's dig a hole under the back wall. Then we can escape after dark. Bob nods. We should head for the beach. I think I saw a canoe there. It's our only chance to get off this island. Steve doesn't say anything. Seems really nervous. Don't worry. You promise him. We're gonna make it. I promise. You dig under the back wall with an empty coconut. By midnight, there's a hole large enough to squirm through. Bob goes first. He barely squeezes through. Then it's your turn. In a few moments, you're outside the hut. You're free. You wait for Steve and wait. You wait for Steve. Wait. You wait for Steve and wait. You stick your face in the hole. Come on. You whisper. You turn back around and discover you're surrounded by tribesmen. 
Steve stands in the middle of them, smiling. Go to page 61. Steve! Steve! What's going on? You demand. Steve chuckles. Ha! Well, I, I told the guard that you were escaping, and in return, the chief has promised to release me. All of my problems are solved. You don't understand. Then all of a sudden, you do. It all falls into place. There was no ghost on the lifeboat, you exclaim. You got rid of Judy and Hal! Steve shrugs. Uh, okay, so you've got me. Sure, I made up the ghost story, and you helped make it more believable. Hey, there wasn't enough food and water for all of us. I did it to survive. And now, I'm going to get rid of you for the same reason. It's nothing personal. He teleports behind you. The chief points to Bob. <laughs> Into the cage with Walla Bing Bang. You don't like the sound of that. Armed tribesmen lead Bob away. The chief turns to you. You ought to be tossed to Zem uh, Zabami. Much worse than the Walla Bing Bang. Today's not your lucky day. The tribesmen march you to a small lake. The surface of the water seems alive with movement. Dread grows as you understand exactly what Zavami are. They're crocodiles. Go to page 118. The lake is swarming with crocodiles. No! You scream hysterically. You struggle against the tribesmen's grip with no use. There are only a couple... Wait, not only are these guys strong, you're surrounded by them. They drag you down to the lake. You notice that the crocs are submerged partway under the water, with their heads sticking out like flat stones. Hmm. That gives you an idea. Maybe there is a way to save yourself. You reach into your pocket and grab... <laughs> One of these days. You stop <laughs> struggling. And when the guards release you, you run straight towards the lake. That confuses them. You jump onto the head of the nearest croc. From its head, you leap to another croc. You cross the pond, hopping from one croc to the next. In a while, crocodile! <laughs> you, you shout with an unfathomable amount of energy for the situation. Leap to page 43. I didn't know that playing Lion King on the Game Boy was, yeah, was preparing me for survival. I was going there too, yeah. Uh, 43. None of the tribesmen follow you across the crocodile heads. They do not practice. Instead, they race around the edge of the lake. And if they catch you, well, forget about it. You dash into the woods, thrashing through thick vegetation. You find a dirt path, and after a short while, the path divides. One branch goes up a steep hill. It's narrow and twisting. If you follow it, the tribesmen won't be able to see you. Of course, you have no idea where it leads. The other branch leads left, down to the beach. That's where Bob said he saw a canoe. The trouble is, this branch is wide and straight. You'll be easy to spot. You hear the cries of angry tribesmen behind you, and you have to make a decision, and fast. Run up the hill, 112. Sprint towards the sea, 119. Um, hmm. Hill would be like a easier to spot by helicopter kind of thing, probably. Uh... C mm, is... I, I like that, too. C is... You might be able to... I mean, hey, with zero supplies... Find 
land again via canoe. I think that they're both long shots, and I don't have a strong opinion on either. I could see how they could both, in a very long shot way, work. Rito, yeah. for what it's worth, yes. if I only could make a deal with God and get him to swap our places, I'd be running up that hill. Alright. Let's do it. I'll let him know. Alright. You take the path that leads up the hill, and it, it will provide better cover. You reach the top of the hill, and the island spreads out below you like a map. You spot a group of canoes on a sec secluded section of beach. You glance down, and the tribesmen finally figured out which path you took. They're racing up to the hill, and Steve leads them, that lousy traitor. But by now, you have a huge head start. So you sprint down a twisting path, and you stumble onto a beach lined by coconut trees. You race to the canoes. Planning ahead, you shake down some coconuts, and you load a few dozen in the canoe for food. You use a sharp rock to knock holes in the other canoes so you can't be followed out into the sea. You have a moment. You don't have a moment to lose. The tribesmen will be down on the beach at any minute. You drag the boat into the water, and by the time your captors appear on the shore, you're rowing past the surf. You turn around. Later, losers! You shout at them. Paddle yourself to page 121. I did it! You cheer. I escaped! Woohoo! But your celebration doesn't last. I'm totally lost in the middle of the Pacific Ocean again, you soon realize. You have to find land. You know Japan is to the west and America is to the east. <laughs> but which direction is which? Let's see, you think. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I'll navigate by the sun. Then your heart sinks. Right now, the sun is hidden by a thick fog. You're lost. Try and find your way over to page 63. <laughs> I just, I, I just love the idea of getting in a canoe and going, well, I mean, that way's Japan and that way's America, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If only I had a compass, you think. I wonder if I could make one. Then you remember a how to make a compass in science class. It has something to do with a magnet. Hey, wait a minute. You have something in your pocket that can make... <laughs> you can make a compass. Wait, actually, we do have stuff in our pocket, don't we? Uh, you can make a compass using that souvenir magnet you picked up in the Fanatic. You don't remember any magnet? Then check out page 9 right now. What? Check out page 9 right now. Interesting. Let, yeah, let's read page nine. So this is, uh, we've, we've got like a dream sequence flashback. Basically, we have a paperclip, some gum, and some other junk. Is basically all it's... Oh! That's, that's, we've, we've been there. Wait. I... Yeah, I, I, I guess yeah, we, we did, did actually read this page. Yeah. That's oh, just, I it, thought this was, it was telling us to go back there because it was a page we didn't read. No, I think it's just, gum I, the I think it's just like, well, it's been a long time. Do you want to go back and check? Uh, checked. Then you also found the paperclip in your pocket. You break off part of the clip and magnetize it by rubbing one end against the magnet. You fill up half a coconut with seawater and you find a leaf in the canoe and float it in the water. Finally, you place the clip on the leaf. The magnetized end of the clip points north. You grin. Cool. You're a regular Thomas Edison. 
now you know for sure which way is which, but which way should you go? If you paddle west to Japan, go to 122. If you paddle east towards America, go to page 129. I mean... Um, do it, did We don't really... I don't... We don't really have a... Hmm. We well, were, well, Japan is where Japan our, was our original destination, right? That's the thing. So, like, if the the ship blew up pretty damn instantly, basically, like we didn't have time to check out the gaming arcade or the pool. So, are we closer to America than Japan? Maybe. I'm gonna say maybe. Let's give it a go. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with that because I have no other lead. 129. Paddle east towards America. Yeah. Let's let's give it a go. 129. You decide to paddle east towards home. A strong ocean current makes your trip go faster. Awesome. This is the first good luck you've had since this horrible nightmare began. All the lives lost. One warm night, you're sipping on coconut milk and gazing up at the night sky. At the horizon, you spot a large red star moving quickly. Wait and you second. think that you're stupid. And you think that you're stupid. <laughs> Wait a second, you think stars don't move that fast? It could be a ship. You paddle as fast as you can in the direction of the light. You're right, it is a ship. You pull up close and yell as loudly as you can. Help! No one answers. You So you heave a coconut. Ouch! Someone cries. Hey, you threw that coconut! A man in a dark cap looks over the side of the small ship. Wait, hey, there's someone in a canoe! A minute later, you're climbing up a rope ladder. You're so happy that you babble thanks to everyone in sight. The nightmare has officially ended. Wake up on page 123. Okay. Don't trust. The captain of the ship is a short, muscular man. He seems very friendly. He tells you that they're delivering cargo to a country in South America. He can let you off at their first stop. Can you radio my parents? You ask. The captain clears his throat. <clears throat> um, the radio isn't working. We're trying to fix it. He seems a little nervous. Hold on, you think. What's the big deal about calling home? A crewman leads you to your berth. Just stay here, he orders. Don't go wandering anywhere. You sit on your bunk and read two-year-old magazines. At meals, you chow down with the crew. There's only five men on board, and they don't talk to you. They just glare. Try and be friendly. So, guys. You start casually. What kind of cargo are you carrying? A tough, greasy-haired sailor named Clink jumps up. What's it do you, hey? You shrug. Just making conversation. Well, don't. We're transporting bombs. Live bombs. Uh, another sailor warns you. We like things nice and quiet. You spend the rest of the meal studying your potato stew. When you return to your bunk, you realize you still don't know what the ship's cargo is. Go to page 131. You're terribly bored on board, and you have nothing to do. No one to talk to. Everyone but the captain seems suspicious of you. What's up with that? 
Two days later, you wander downstairs to the cargo deck, just to take a peek, but Clink spots you. Who gave you permission to snoop? He snaps. Beat it, kid! Now! Well, excuse me! You grumble. Really ticked off, you turn and climb back up the main deck. What's the big deal about the cargo, you wonder? What could it be? Bicycle wheels? Frisbees? <laughs> Hamburger buns? Beanie babies? Sorry, bean babies? The non-copyright infringing yeah, bean baby. Bean babies. Yeah. <laughs> Just shaped like beans. Orb child. <laughs> A little orb child. Um, you turn on the... Wait. Your curiosity gets the better of you. That night, you sneak down to the lower deck. You open the door to the cargo hold, and you turn on the light and step into the hold. There's several crates that are marked flower. You pull back the top of the crate, breaking a wooden slate, and what you... When you see what's inside, you gasp in surprise. Find out what's so surprising on page 52. It is flour. Inside the box is flour. No. Some, inside the box are computer chips. Something's wrong. Companies don't ship computer parts in dumpy little boats like this one. Then a light bulb goes on in your head. This crew must be smuggling stolen computer chips. You close the door behind you, and you sneak back into your bunk. Oh man, you think, I'm trapped in a ship full of crooks, and I'm totally at their mercy. The next morning, you pass the bridge. Through an open porthole, you hear Clink, talking to the captain. No one else could have broken the crates, Clink insists. It must have been our little guest. Let me eliminate that pest. Before you can hear the captain's reply, a sailor strolls by. <laughs> Move along. He snaps at you. You obey quickly. You pace by your bunk, your heart pounding hard. Are they going to, quote-unquote, eliminate you? You hear footsteps coming below. Clink and the captain confront you. Did you break into the cargo hold last night? The captain bellows at you. Telling the truth could get you killed, but you know it pays to be honest. Think quick. What are you going to say? Say yes, 133. Say no, 135. I think with the fact that the captain's response was cut off and that, you know, Clink is obviously set up as an antagonist here, but Clink is also ambiguous. Our little guest. Let me eliminate that pest. Neither of those necessarily has to refer to us. Yeah. I think it's possible that we should just be honest and say yes. Uh, which, oh shoot, I lost it. Is that, which, was that 130? 133. 35 would be the other one. All right. Honesty is the best policy. So you admit you broke into the cargo hold. Clink grins. I knew it! He gloats. The captain shakes his head. I'm sorry, but you know too much. He grabs you and hurls you over the side of the boat. Curse Bloosh. You swim to the surface. The ship is already out of reach. You're deep. You're in deep water and in deep trouble. At least the water's warm, you think gratefully. You wonder if you can tread water for several weeks. Nope. You discover that 25 minutes is about your limit. Panic races through your bloodstream. Fear makes you flail around in the water. Uh, ow. Your hand strikes something hard. You can't believe your eyes. It's a tortoise. A giant tortoise. 
The, the reptile is big enough to carry a passenger on its back. It's big enough to carry a family of four plus luggage. This is your ticket to safety. You climb on the tortoise rough, wet back. Float on over to page 84. I'm sorry, I was just a little stunned by the, um... Well, the giant tortoise of it all. Yeah, deus ex turtle. <laughs> straight up. Uh, <laughs> he was attracted. What it says right here. He was attracted to your hand sandwich in your pocket. <gasps> the tortoise swims through the ocean with you along for the ride. You don't know where it's going, but you hope it'll get there soon. Day and night, the reptile's large flippers sweep it steadily forward. Its strength amazes you. It hardly seems to notice that you're there. Just don't dive, okay? You whisper to it, clutching onto its shell. Three days later of never going under the water. <laughs> as a tortoise. Mm -hmm. uh, you spot land. The tortoise swims to shore and you jump off. Thanks. You tell the tortoise. It shuffles away to lay its eggs in the sand. This is like the most trying to be educational Goosebumps book so far by a million. I do want to put that yeah, out no there. Kidding. Like they told us how to make a compass. Yeah, it's like, and the the average gestation period for a tortoise is. <laughs> <laughs> you watch it go, grateful for the ride. Hey, people! There's two men and a woman strolling towards you. You stagger up to the woman and ask her where you are. Uh, this is the Galapagos Islands. She answers. She's with a group of scientists studying the island's amazing wildlife. Guess what? They need an assistant. You apply for the job, old life be darned, and are hired on the spot. The researchers radio your parents to ask their permission. Okay. Your folks think working with scientists is a fantastic idea. Hey, it's educational. Wow. Well, scientifically speaking, this has turned out to be the best vacation ever. The end. So, um, no trauma? From all the betrayals and Bombs, attempted murders and murders, friends who've died. And also, also, our parents. Yeah. There were 10 days at the absolute least that we were at sea. Plus some extras for other times in between. So, like, they didn't hear word at yeah. all that this ship has blown up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 15 seconds after leaving the harbor. And then well, we we like turn around, look at like the mainland of America, and we're like, ah, I'll probably just swim out to the ocean, I guess. Yeah. Then the first thing we first thing we say, oh, you, wait, could you call my parents? I need to tell them that I want this job. <laughs> yeah, I need to ask their permission so that I can work as an assistant. <laughs> what? I, I, j joking aside, I gotta say. Last week we had the book that you thought was maybe your new favorite. Mhm. Mm I think this is my I think this is my new favorite book in the in the whole franchise. It felt like such an adventure. Like with it was an adventure, it was wrapped up in a weird wild twisting way that did still feel connected to each other with distinct parts, decisions that mattered and I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was neat. I thought it was interesting. I like this one a lot. I 
also really, really liked it. I think it, it, it was a lot of adventure per adventure. Like, we had, yeah. like, five different mini-adventures. Like, you know, do you be honest about the bomb? How do you survive the raft? How do you survive the island? How do you survive the boat? And finally, you know, uh, calling our parents to inform them that we have gained employment. Yeah. I... I, I really, I, I like this one a lot, but it is wild also, like, how little the terrorism played into the story. <laughs> yeah. But I bet on the other path, it would have played more. I think that's the truth. Yes. Yes. I can only imagine that on that path, you know, it reveals a bit more about why Bosco wanted to do that and shows that. The ship is full of ghouls, I can only imagine. One would assume. Not a, nary a single ghoul has been presented to us on our path, so. That's true. Everything is very, very, very terrestrial in our path. Yeah. I will also say, like, you know, it's a scholastic book, right? Yeah. And I understand that there was a, there was an era of time where, you know, kids' media uh, was was heavily influenced by the idea that it must also be educational. Uh, quick note. I liked that. I think that was good, actually. Yeah, and too. I also liked it in this book. I really enjoyed it. Like, hey, I, I would have... Honestly, I know that there is a way to make a compass. I didn't know that's how you do it. Yeah. It, it, it taught just, me a thing. Yeah, it just seems like a nice... It was a nice collection of things that I did learn, for the most part, over the course of time from various things. But if I was the age that this book was targeting... It's very mm -hmm. likely this was the would be the first place that I would learn all that stuff. And maybe I wouldn't have otherwise. So, like, I don't know. I think it's just like a... It's a fun, neat collection of just survival bits and bobs that I think were educational in a way that wasn't annoying. I... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just... I don't know. I just have so much... I... I had very little expectations for this one. And I'm very pleased. That's all I'll have to say. I, I, I don't know why. I just was not the the cover was just so face value that I'm I'm just pleased. Uh, but hey, anything else you want to say about uh, the book before we move on? Uh, to the end only, only. Uh, I I had a look at the blurb on the back, which is slightly different to the beware. And it gives us a little bit of a hint as to what uh, Bosco mm. might have been up to. Would you like to know what the blurb says about it? Yeah, why don't you say? A man on board claims the ship is really a laboratory for evil experiments that turn passengers into gross fish creatures. And he plans to blow up the ship, should you warn the captain or hit the water. Mm. Uh, notably, not ghouls. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Uh, Still not ghouls? I didn't even think about that! Yeah. Uh, you want to the craziest thing of all our path almost had a ghost which one could perhaps uh, link or liken to a ghoul it was mm -hmm. just was his name <laughs> uh, uh, Steve Steve it was just Steve not a ghoul <laughs> just Steve it was Steve ship of Steve ship of Steve <laughs> Um, <laughs> I did admittedly think, like, when Steve said, oh, there's too many of us, so we're not going to be able to eat. And then the next night, Judy disappeared. Like, yeah, I was already feeling in my soul, 
there's something wrong with Steve, right? Yeah, it was basically, but, that's the thing is my first thought that when the first person went overboard, I was like, ah, it seems like they want us to think that maybe Bob is doing something. Like, that's the thing is, mm. and the thing is, oh, and then, but then as you go on, it's like, oh, well, okay. The longer you play that, the less likely it is that it's actually Bob. So I was like, yeah, okay, Steve seems a little weird. And I, I like that. I think that they, I don't know. It just felt like they played they played with a normal story circle that it feels like, despite the fact we went through a lot of different stories in that story, but they did all feel like one big cohesive adventure that was all mm -hmm. thematically thematically appropriate through and through to you know to an extent here and there. It was like a very like Forrest Gump survival movie. <laughs> It's yep. Kind of. Like, kinda. as as much as I was making fun of it, kind of, the entire time where, like, you know, the 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 uh, outcomes didn't seem like they were really labored upon. Like, people would just die and disappear and get immediately forgotten and things like that. That is kind of required for this pace. And sometimes Goosebumps does that, where it's like, look, your tongs come from the sky and flip you into another world and we're never going to mention it again. Yeah. And like here it was so much if 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 we've encountered the wettest water which is more water per water this is the <laughs> goosebumpiest goosebump it's yeah. high goosebump per goosebump yeah and i i think that that's what i i think that's probably i think it's really showcasing what i'm most into about goosebumps and it's how goosebumpy it is is just i i want just Give me straight goosebump to the vein, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's what I got. I got 50 cc's of Stein. So <laughs> I, I I, think that's why I'm so smitten. Uh, but hey, we should probably wrap this one up. It has been an hour 41. Two, four, hour 42. We should wrap this one up. So, so we should. Uh, you want to say who our executive producer for this absolute chunker is? But of course, before we move on to the rest of the administrative kinds of things, let me say thank you to executive producer Unknown Chicken for supporting over on patreon.com slash turn to page cast at or above the hardcover tier. Yeah, thank That's, you. Thank uh, you. Patreon, of course, for the US viewers. Thank you very Honestly, much. Honestly, it's Patreon for everyone that isn't Ryan, basically. <laughs> is that <laughs> is that the case? Did you, have you done a <laughs> I that, I don't know anyone else who calls it patron. It's just me, I think. That's kind of here's. The, I wasn't gonna say it. it. The thing is, I always have to. That's the the blessing and the curse. Is I just am going to assume like, oh, okay, well, it's it's an Australian thing. <laughs> but mm. but if it's not, I'm because I'm not gonna correct you because I'm like, oh, it's pronunciation. Eh, probably just different, you know. But. Yeah. I honestly think it's slightly enforced by uh, the car brand Citron. Mm -mm. Could be, could be. But yeah, patreon.com slash turn the page cast. Huge thank you, Unknown Chicken. Also, thank you for your wonderful comments on the YouTube channel. I do see them. I do enjoy them. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the support over there. Uh, absolutely lovely. And uh, I also enjoy them, but I do not see them. Because <laughs> you feel them, right? Yeah, straight straight mm -hmm. to the veins. Fifty cc's of Stein. Exactly. <laughs> so okay. Uh, other than that, fifty cc's of RL stat. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, alas, hey, yeah. If you want to help support 
turn to page. We have a Patreon, like we've said here, patreon.com slash turn to page cast. Basically, we're trying to, you know, raise money to pay off the hefty purchase of some uh, more books in the series so we can read and showcase all of them. Uh, this one that we did today being one of them, being an example of it. Uh, so huge thank you to the support over there, making it so that is less of a um, uh, bizarro expense on, on our parts. And huge thank you to that. Uh, Rabs, you want to say something about reviews? I do indeed. If you would like, uh, it would be very, very generous of you. And we would appreciate it muchly if you would review the podcast. I mean, like, I'm just going to say review the podcast, but I'm going to leave implicit in, in parentheses here, positively, uh, on the sites that you might use to listen to it. It does help us grow the listenership and listener base of the podcast, and it's very nice and kind of you, and it makes our hearts warm. Thank you kindly. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely true. But hey, that's going to do it for this absolute uh, colossal, uh, colossal bite of a book that we just took. Um, hopefully your ham sandwiches stay, you know, nice and pristine and your water stays wet and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye. Adios.